ask. How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. Also, also, in case you haven't noticed, we have a webpage at letstalktorah.net. There's no apostrophe, so it's letstalktorah.net. And you can go there, you can find the archives, the new shows, the old shows. You can leave comments and questions, which we'll answer. And, of course, most important, this is our Donate button over there. And you can do us a favor and please hit that Donate button. And there's all kinds of levels. Um, you can join and you can help the show. You can help us grow. You can help us cover our expenses. And we can share the show with just so many more people. And I hope you do allow us to make that possible. You enjoy it. Let's get other people to enjoy the show as well. You know, just in case you forget that it's still summer, it is a hot one today. It's been cool all week, and I think it'll be cool all next week. But today is a scorcher. Um, there's actually one of these, um, I saw driving down the highway, one of these heat warnings. It's not so bad in my neighborhood, actually. I think the high is gonna won't even hit 90. I don't think so. But I know a little south of here and certainly in other areas, um, it's going to be really hot. So, of course, you know, if you're out there, do be careful and make sure you drink your water. Even though, of course, here in the studios of NRM Streamcast, it is cool and comfy. But we got to get into this week's story portion talking about driving down the highway, even though I don't think um, this next mitzvah could occur if you're driving down the highway, but if you happen to be walking down the highway and you happen to run into a kosher bird's nest and you happen to be hungry for breakfast, lunch, or supper, because I'll eat eggs any time of the day, you could have that special command called shluach hakan, which means to send away the mother bird. So let's first get into the nitty-gritty of the mitzvah, and then a totally new way of looking at this command. So first things first. Um, we're talking about, as I stated, that happened to be. You're walking down. The bird's nest is in an ownerless area. It's not in your backyard. It's not your chicken coop. Otherwise, farmers are going to have a problem every morning going and getting their chicken eggs. We're not talking about a bird that you own. We're not talking about a nest or a birdhouse that you own. We are talking about you happen to find in an ownerless area this bird's nest. Now, this is debatable. There are those who say even if you don't want the eggs or the chicks, um, you still have a command to send away the mother bird. Others say that's just being mean. Like, our goal is not to be mean. Our goal is to be nice, to learn to be nice, to put inside of us that concept of being nice. Um, but you're hungry. 
You want breakfast. Either you want chicks. You want the eggs. Nothing wrong. We're allowed to eat. Um, we are not vegetarians. Right? You're allowed to eat meat. You're allowed to eat chicken. You're allowed to eat eggs. No problem. But we're not going to have the mother bird suffer. So you have to send away the mother bird. To have the mother bird on the nest, you're just sticking your hand underneath. You're just being mean. Right? So the Torah says, now by a chicken, you could do that. I guess it's understood by chickens. You own your birds or any other type of birds they would own. Um, obviously, you could take it. That's, that's part of it. That is part of life. But in this specific case, the Torah tells us that you have to send away the mother bird. And there's rules, regulations. You have to push it away, or how you push it away, and not just scaring it away. Uh, maybe use a stick to scare it away. And if it flies back, you got to push it away again. And uh, the mother bird will not be happy. That's what I'm just telling you right now. Um, and there's this mitzvah to send the mother bird away. Um, so first of all, we do this because of mitzvah. It's debatable again, as I told you, if this mitzvah applies only if you want the the eggs, you actually want to eat them, or the chicks, or even if you don't want to, perhaps the Torah made the mitzvah, gave this command, even if you don't want it. Happens to be, um, the, there is a segula, we've had other shows where we talked about the content of segula, it doesn't mean a, like a good luck charm, but it's, it's, a, it's something that will create a merit that a person um, could receive something special from God. In this case, it's usually referring to children. Before I go on, talking about being nice to animals, so we talked about last week about that book I picked up. So I was reading it last night, and it was very fascinating. So the idea of the book is by this is Amir Cohen. So the idea of the book is to show how science and Torah not only coexist, but that the rabbis from the time of the Talmud knew many, many things that science has only discovered some recently, some maybe hundreds of years ago, but certainly the scholars, the rabbis at the time of the Talmud already had this knowledge. So one of the fascinating things, and this is in Europe, is a much bigger problem than in America, and that's the idea of slaughter. We're talking about animals, so uh, I happen to have noticed this when I picked up the book. And that is something fascinating. It was, there are many slaughterhouses that feel that if you knock out the animal or you, or you electrocute the animal, you will cause less pain to the animal. When in truth, and this is not only the rabbi saying it, but this is, there was a scientific uh, um, letter they had over there. There's something fascinating that when you cut the arteries under the neck of a kosher animal, so it seems, and there's all kinds of fancy words for it, and I don't even know what they are, but the part of the brain of an animal that, that reacts to pain um, is specifically fed by the blood veins that are in the animal's neck, in the lower part of the animal's neck. Once those are severed, it takes about two seconds and then the animal, for the cut itself, the animal feels no pain. Within two seconds of that, of those veins being cut, that part of the brain is not being fed oxygen anymore, and the animal feels absolutely nothing, which is not true when they do the, uh, the electrocution or whatever else they do to the animal. Um, it happens to be that on non-kosher animals, there's a second set of veins in the top of the neck. 
those also feed that part of the brain. So even if you were to sever, let's say, a horse, let's say you were to sever the bottom veins of the horse's neck, it'll still have those pain feelings from the, from the higher up um, arteries or veins, called arteries. Um, so again, it's fascinating that the only animals that we slaughter, which are kosher, have a different system in how the different parts of the brain are fed blood. Another fascinating thought, by the way, if you slaughter the animal properly, um, like within 30 seconds, um, like half the blood of the animal is out and, and another 30 seconds, you've got the like 70%, I don't remember the numbers, so I'm probably getting the numbers wrong. But again, another fascinating um, concept that the Torah set up the, you know, it's, it, it, we really work backwards. Um, it says, God looked into the Torah and created the world. So God says, okay, we got to slaughter animals. Therefore, God is going to create the animal in such a way that this will cause the least amount of pain, right? Just a question of, of what comes first, what comes second. Okay. With all this being said, and these basic rules of this uh, mitzvah called Shluch HaKan, so as you saw last week, um, if you've gone to the website, um, I recently picked up a, a book a, uh, from Levi Yitzumi Badichev called the Kedushas Levi. So he, he looks at the verses with a different focus. You know, it's what we've been doing and what we try to do often is just give you the simple explanation. But lately, I've been on a little bit of a bend where we try to look at the verses with, with a different take. We'll retranslate some of the words in the verse and there will be other lessons to be learned. And this is always true, that we can look at any verse and pull out multiple ways. The Torah is multifaceted, many ways to look at a verse and retranslate and re-come up with beautiful lessons. And so since that's uh, the kick that I'm on right now, so I will, of course, share it with you. So he looks at the verse like this. But before we look at the verse, I have to ask you a question to get your, your mind open to what we're trying to talk about. So everybody knows, they tell you, you know, it's better to learn from other people's mistakes, right? And that's why should you go make a mistake when you could learn from other people's mistakes and you've saved yourself a lot of time? That is a very standard, true, important concept. However... Um, when it comes to serving God, there's a fascinating idea. In other words, it is my job to serve God. And it is true that God will help me serve him. All that is true. But at what point do we say I should be relying on God's help to serve him? And at what point do I say, you know, go after it on your own, see what you can accomplish on your own, and then... The rest, you rely on God to help you. So these verses actually answer that question. So I'm going to read the verse in piecemeal. I am going to translate, and then I'm going to retranslate. So let's see what happens. So it says like this. The verse says, again, in this command of, of sending away the mother bird, it says, Ki kare lecha kan tzipor. 
when it will happen or when you will happen upon this can tzipur, this bird's nest. Meaning, it's great, right, if God gets us started, right? Right, so that's great. But here we're reading it, when it will happen to you, meaning you got out of your comfort zone and you took the first step. If you take the first step, so now, when it will happen to you because you went and took the first step, and you'll run into a kan tzipur. Now, tzipur is a bird. It's an interesting word because it's from the, even the word tzip tzip sounds like a, the noise that a bird makes. But it happens to be in Aramaic, which is like a cousin to Hebrew. Uh, tzipur, tzafra, actually means the morning. So now we can reread the verse a little bit like this. When it will happen to you, meaning when you will get up, Right? Because it's you. You're the one doing the action in the morning. You're going to get up in the morning. And now we take it a little bit further. The reason why tzafra means morning is because it really comes from the word light. Because morning is the first light of the day. But light is also one of these words that we use to um, refer to spirituality. We talk about dark and light. So light is always referring to spirituality. So, if you take the first step, if you awaken yourself or you awaken the light, you awaken your spirituality. So now let's read the verse again. When it will happen to you, but when it will happen to you, meaning you're doing the action of this bird's nest and you'll run into it, on the way. On the way, the word derech is many times used to refer to good deeds about the path, the proper path a person should take. We talk about the good deeds that a person does. So it says he's doing these good deeds, or the verse continues, right? It'll happen to you, this bird's nest. In this case, it'll happen to you when you awaken the light on the way, meaning through good deeds. Again, literally, it means you found the bird on a tree branch. But here, we are now retranslating the verse. So if I retranslate the verse and I say it means in a tree, tree is one of those things that always refers to Torah. Right? So you awakened yourself and you went on the way and you started enlightening yourself to good deeds, to Torah. So it says like this. It says, The mother is like hovering over her children. And God, Hashem, is the mother. He's the one that gives us our abilities. But we're saying like this. We want you to take the first step. God wants you to put in some effort. You'll make mistakes. You won't get it all done. You may not do it perfect. You for sure won't do it perfect. But you are putting in the effort. Don't take the mother. Meaning don't rely. Again, the actual verse says don't take the mother. You send away the mother, you take the chicks. We're saying... Don't take the mother. The mother here is referring to God that we get our sustenance from. So he said, don't rely on God. In this case, God wants you to have some initiative. Right? God loves when you take initiative. Right? So if you take the initiative, meaning you're not sitting back and waiting for God to take care of everything, but you're going ahead and putting into putting in the effort, the initiative, the action to accomplish, 
And then the verse tells us an interesting side benefit to this mitzvah of Kan Tzipur, of sending away the mother bird, and that is that Varach you'll have long life. There's only two commands in the Torah that the Torah actually discusses um, the reward as being long life. So Rashi says this is such an easy mitzvah, just sending away the mother bird. And for that you get long life. Imagine what happens to other commands. Now, by the way, really, we say that for, the, for most commands, or really all commands, the real reward is not in this world. Anyways, we've talked about it in the past because there's no currency. Right? The payment, the value of doing good deeds um, is not for this world because its, it's value is so amazing. What's God going to give you for it? But in this case, we're saying you have a long life, meaning that once you put in, and this I think is the is where we take a little bit different uh, track from. We usually say don't don't you know learn from your own mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes. In this way, the Torah is telling you that's not always so true. Barach Yaman means you'll have staying power when you put in the effort, when you put in the initiative, when you try to grow spiritually, and the truth is this lesson is in all cases, <laughs> it works as easily when you're taking a test and studying, when you put in the effort, there's staying power. When you put in the work, there's power there. Um, it happens to be that a friend of mine is making a wedding tonight, so he asked me to um, give what we call the daf, to on the past, that we, we learn both sides of a page of the Talmud every day, a new page. So there's a way for a week he asked me to take care of it, so I have to prepare. Generally speaking, it could take me upwards of an hour and a half. If I'm in a rush, I could do it in an hour, uh, but I'm on vacation. It's still summertime, so I had a lot of time. It happens to be tomorrow's daf is um, not super complicated, but it's a mathematical um, gemara. It's all about the math, the value of... Uh, of copper coins to silver coins, and, and there's a discussion of how many copper coins to, to the silver coin. And it probably took me close to two hours to crystallize how to explain this mathematical piece of Talmud. And, it's only, and, and really, really, I have about 40 minutes in the morning to give over the two sides, and this is not what I want to focus on. But I needed to spend two hours so that I could go ahead and explain to the group of people that I'm studying with to, in a quick, simple, easy manner. I even made a, uh, it's not exactly a chart, but it is a paper that goes through the different numbers and the different uh, combinations with explanations so that I can basically say, look, we can spend an hour on the math or we can spend three minutes on the math. I'll quickly go through the numbers over here with you if you don't understand it, take the paper home, spend time. But I can assure you, I can assure you that I now have a clear understanding of this piece of Talmud because I went in and put tons of effort. I told my wife, I said, um, I said, normally when I learn this piece of Talmud, eh, I'll spend five minutes and I'll say, I trust that the rabbis do the math. Now, it's not like after two hours I have any questions on the math. Of course the math is right. But it took me a long time to get it clear. But, but now that I put into, in the effort to clarify it in my mind, you can be sure, I hope, 
that, that this math is going to stick with me. And that's what's going on over here. So once we talk about initiative, I am going to try to tell you an amazing story. So there was a woman that moved to Williamsburg, had recently become religious, she had no family, and her face was very disfigured. So bad that people would look away, they would shudder to look at her. She was just, just very disfigured. And there was a family in, her, in the apartment building that would drew her close. And the family invited her to come for Shabbos, and the parents told the children, look, this lady looks a little strange. You have to ignore it. You can't, it can't make you nervous. You have to look away from it. You have to ignore it because you make her feel bad. And one of their children, 10-year-old Chani, took an, a, 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 a liking to this woman and did a lot of talking with her. And like any 10-year-old, um, they can ask things that are just not appropriate. In other words, it doesn't bother her that the lady's disfigured, but she's curious about it. So Chani says to the woman, like, is there any way to go to a doctor to have this fixed? So the lady said, there is. There is a way to get it fixed. Um, I've seen a doctor, but the surgery is very expensive, and I don't have the money. So Chani says, no problem, I'll help. Goes to school the next day, asks her teacher permission. She goes from room to room to room, telling all the classes about this woman whose face is disfigured, and if she takes her to a doctor and she has the money, the woman's face can be repaired and she'll look perfect. So she raises some money, comes home, takes the woman by the hand and says, I've raised the money, let's go to the doctor. They go to the doctor's office without an appointment. I guess in those days you'd get away with it. And she um, goes into the doctor and, she, and the doctor sees them and she says to the doctor, um, I am going to pay for the surgery, I raise money, I'm going to pay for the surgery. And she hands the doctor an envelope, and the doctor says, okay, no problem. And uh, they schedule the surgery, and, and Chani doesn't tell anybody at home what's been going on. A few months later, after this woman has her surgery, she, um, Chani finally tells her mother, you know, oh, by the way, I raised the money for the surgery. So I says, wow, that's amazing. Um, how much money did you raise? $53. She says, and you went to the doctor and did what? I went to the doctor, I gave him the money, he said, we're good to go. So the mother said, um, let's go back to the doctor. Mel goes back to the doctor. He says, doctor, I apologize. My daughter paid you, she's clueless what things cost. Of course, I don't have a lot of money, but I will make sure to pay everything you owe. So the doctor said, absolutely not. How often can you give a gift like this? I took care of the hospital, I waived my fees, but there's one thing that I'm holding on to. And he pulls out an envelope with crumpled, oily dollar bills and some $5 bills, and he says, I'm gonna hold on to this envelope because this envelope restores my faith in humanity. So this story is beautiful on so many levels, but for what we've been working on today, We've been talking about initiative. Look at what this little girl did. She took the initiative, and she accomplished something that any normal person like me or you would never even bother. Even if you and I wanted to go raise money, even if you and I wanted to go raise money um, to help somebody get a surgery, I get, we all probably get it. You get emails all the time. All the time we get emails. Um, this person needs surgery, that person needs surgery, family member needs surgery, please send money. There's GoFundMes that you see all the time. 
So, and even if you would go ahead to the doctor and say, doctor, you know, we need to help this person and could you waive your fee and we'll go to hospitals and we'll go to Medicaid and we'll see what kind of insurance the person has, right? And then we'll start to raise the money. Look, I, I've been involved in campaigns where they had to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to get, you know, unusual um, surgeries and stuff. With all this, None of us walk into a doctor's office with $50, $100 and say, doctor, this person needs surgery. I'm going to pay. Please take care of it. It's like, it's ludicrous. We would never do such a thing. You know why? Because we have sometimes too much knowledge. We have too many calculations why it doesn't make sense. And since we have all these calculations why this is a bad idea and that's a bad idea and this won't work and that won't work, so instead of taking any initiative, we talk to ourselves and say, it's not happening, it's not worth it, it's not going to happen, don't waste your time, or go the regular route, let's, let's raise all this money and figure it out. And if it works, it works, if it doesn't work, you know, we tried. Here, this girl, Khani, was 10 years old, she took the initiative because she didn't know. She did what she had to do and got to care to rest. It is an amazing story. But the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors. Listeners, you know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have Alan, who's back from vacation in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build Every room inside is filled With things from far